Hi guys, it's Esther. Welcome back to my pleasure. Thanks for being here. I really enjoy what we have and I really hope that one day it meets my emotional needs. But I also am certain that it won't and I think that's okay because if my emotional needs ever get to a place where they're being met, you'll probably never hear from me again. And don't worry, that's never happening. Okay, so what's new in Esther World? For one, I had a birthday. I turned 35. I can legally be the president now, so look out, okay? For two, since we last spoke, I think, I have been in New York City, and I'm going to be here probably for a few months, and I love it. But I go too hard. I get too excited. This is like, it's the same way... I kiss for the first time. That's how I act in New York, where I just give so much tongue and so much energy and so much excitement. I go, 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 go. Like, it makes everyone else uncomfortable. That's how I am here in New York. I'm like, okay, I'm going to take the subway here, and then I'm going to and take three dance classes and blah, 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 and do all these sets. And then I just collapse. Like, I don't know. You know how people, there's this saying, you don't know your own strength. I don't know my own weakness. I have no idea how fucking weak I am because I am very anti-nap. I know that makes no sense with my personality because I love sweatpants and sneakers and I'm like kind of a couch potato-ish girl. Actually, I'm really not a couch. I never sit on a couch, but I look like a couch potato. And mentally, I'm my brain looks like one. So I never nap. Like, I'm, in fact, very anti-nap culture. It fucks with your day. I feel poisoned after. I don't like it. But in New York, like, I'm... It hits, like, 5 o'clock. I collapse. It's not even a nap. It's a... I'm in pain. I feel sick. I'm collapsing. I have no energy left. I've, I've died. And I don't feel like that's necessarily healthy. And I don't know if that's normal. I'm curious if other people who live in New York City feel that way. Or also maybe just when you move to a new city the first five days, that's what happens. That would make more sense, I think. And uh, so I'm adjusting. And I really like it here. I feel like I'm definitely more in my element here rather than L.A. I know I'm the Jane Goodall of hot girls. I love studying them. I love my palm tree air one green juice lifestyle even though I never drink green juice but I just like being around that that culture really I love it uh because I grew up in America watching the E! True Hollywood store of Paris Hilton so I just like that aesthetic and however that said I do feel more like myself and the person who I was before LA here in New York. I know this is like stupid, but I just feel like I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up near Chicago. This is more where there's people like me. There's, it's just a real place. And I know that's been said before a thousand times. I'm just here to tell you, still, still got it. It's still happening. There's still real people here. And I know it's like very cliche and I wish I could articulate it better, but I think it probably just comes down to like walking on the street and seeing people who 
you do not see in LA because you know what? Like even the cool, young, awesome, hot girls I love, you don't even see them in LA. They're hiding. If you go to Air One, like maybe, but in New York, it's like you're on the street and you see like a cool girl in a Prada puffer jacket and you're like, oh my God, who are you? I want to follow you, but that is not something that I should do. But maybe one day I might because I'm, I'm a short, like I can't hurt anybody, you know, I'm just nosy. And, you know, then you see, you just see everybody. And I guess realistically, I'm like, I'm such a male gaze OG because I only can see hot women. I, I don't see anyone else on the, in the, no, that's not true. I see everybody, but my instinct is to focus on the hot women, I guess, because they're the ones who, uh, who, who are going to keep the world going around. Does the world go around still? Okay, let's talk about segments. Today's anti-sadness is to be present, okay? Like, let's talk about the present moment for a second and how I'm realizing how hardcore I actively avoid the present moment. Like, and I almost feel like I have this dilemma where I'm either not present or I'm too present and it's weird. And that sounds confusing because it is, but it's like, I'm either my mom, I'm like, let's say I'm in a dance class. My mind is either thinking about what am I doing later? What did I eat this morning? Or then I can go to present and be like, oh my God, I'm in a dance class. Holy shit. I'm here. And overly focused on it, which it's like, what is going on in that little brain of mine? Why can't I just chill down? Chill down is not a, if this was a book, this would be an asterisk. And it'd be like, hey, just so everyone knows, chill down is not a thing that Americans say or anyone says. It's actually a thing that Esther said because a dumb girl at her high school said it once and Esther thought it was funny and then started saying it regularly. Okay. So chill down and be present. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying it to you and I'm saying it to me. Try to just be present. You know, some tips for that are just like, you know, Dave would say is like, this is a table. These are my feet. Like just like acknowledging what's around you. That can kind of get me into the too present. Sometimes breathing can be a big one for me lately. Breathing is, by the way, so annoying. It's nothing frustrates me more than realizing the simple things are the most important things. Like the things that I want so badly to be like, that's so stupid. Who needs that? Those are always the things when when like the shit hits the fan always comes back to like focusing on those things. And I don't know why that concept just pisses me off because I'm like, I want it to be more complicated than it is. I want life to be. Uh, like algebra equations that are difficult and that like it's like I want it to be like a weird computer game where only the smartest weirdest quirkiest people can solve the puzzle and then that's the answer but it's never that and it's it's always take a deep breath feel your feet on the ground it's like what if it's that easy to be normal then what why or whatever that's my anti-sadness be present My hot girl homework this week 
is any kind of cold exposure. This is inspired by my new life in New York City where I have a love-hate relationship with the cold. Like, I think the winds being so strong and in my face are part of what just makes me collapse midday. Like, and I don't, it's like burns in the moment and then it, it also has this after effect where later I'm so tired from it and it just knocks me out. But that, that said, it can be very energizing to be in a burst of cold. And I believe that that kicks in the adrenaline and you just kind of feel alive. And I have now consistently been saying for probably three years that I would try a cold plunge or at least a cold rinse in the shower. Never done it too scared, uh, afraid of the feeling cold. So it wasn't until now here I am in New York and I have no fairy princess Toyota Corolla to get me from point A to point B. I have only my feet, which I'm grateful for and I love them, but I have been forced into the cold. Not for the first time, relax. I know I grew up outside of Chicago. I'm not new to this. My grandparents live in Minnesota. Like I'm a human. I'm living the full experience, but just being reminded of how energizing that cold can be. I'm giving you hot girl homework to like get some cold exposure. If you're in a cold city, you're like, bitch, I know I do this all the time. If not though, be stronger than me and put your face in a bucket of ice. Run. I, you know what? My hot girl homework is between now and the next time I record this podcast, I'm going to do some kind of cold exposure to show you my commitment to our relationship together. I'm going to either put my face in ice, get in a cold bath, or rinse in the shower cold. I'm going on the record here, and you know I'm eligible to be the president, so I can't just go on the record if I don't mean it, like I'm trying to be president, you know? (sighs) Okay. I Oh, I have a possible new segment, which is sad thing I said out loud this week. And for me this week, it was, I just, without thinking, looked over at Dave and was like, I like it when you're awake. And immediately realized how absolutely pathetic that is. But, you know, look, my whole personality now revolves around how I realized that my emotional needs were not met when I was a child. And so I will never not feel lonely and that's why I do everything I do. Like some people do things because they, uh, actually I can't think of any reason anyone does anything if it not just to get emotional needs met. Think about it. So what else is going on? I listened to Emma Chamberlain's podcast about creativity and I really enjoyed it. And if you don't listen or know what the deal is there, she basically talked about how nothing is that creative anymore. People are just making things to get attention, to be loud, to sort of make clickbait. And of course, I'm like, I totally agree, right? Like things are not the way they used to be. The way it all works now with algorithms, you just want to grab people's attention in the first two seconds, so you just do crazy shit, and it like doesn't matter what the quality is of things. And I think that's all true. And go and listen if you want to like hear more about that. But I also feel pretty strongly and pretty certain that kind of in alignment with like a theme we've been talking about on the show is like 
everyone feels that way, every generation. Like, everyone feels like creativity has died and isn't what it used to be. They felt that in the 80s and the 90s. Everyone's always felt that. And so I think it's just how it is. We always think the things that came before are better and what we have now is shitty. And it won't be until we're really for sure that something is good that we change our mind and we might never change our mind, right? Like I get it. There's not ever going to be another David Bowie. There's never going to be like another, I don't know, David Lynch movie. Is that a good example of a great creative movie? I don't, it doesn't even name the specific movie, but Mulholland Drive, is that good? I don't know. And I also think it has a lot to do with, and this is the saddest part, the saddest part of all is I think it has a lot to do with what we liked when we were little and then thinking that nothing will ever be as good as it was as the thing that we enjoyed when we were little. But it's actually really sad because we just liked that because we were young and impressionable. And that was like our first big love of something creative we experienced. Like for me, bro, Britney Spears, baby one more time. Like, what will ever be as good as that as getting that album, playing it in my CD player, realizing not only was the first song good, so was the second song, and maybe even a couple more. And I know that's again like I'm not exactly talking about high art, but I'm just saying I really enjoyed Britney Spears because she was there for me at the right right place, right time, right time, right place. And I think that has a lot to do with why we don't like newer things. That said, you know, again, I still do agree with Emma's sentiment that creativity is lacking right now, but I also don't. Like, I also would say, well, the new SZA album just came out a few months ago and it fucking ruled. And Lana Del Rey is never going to disappoint us, uh, you know? So I think... I think it's normal to feel disheartened and like things are not as good as they used to be, but also just like keep looking and keep finding. I think it's more on us now to go deeper and find things we like because because the clickbait and the shitty things are rising to the surface quicker, like the algorithms like the annoying, stupid stuff, like no hate against Mr. Beast, but... The algorithm's like him, and that's what we're getting. And so that's what's incentivized. But I think if we take it upon ourselves to dig deeper and find cooler things, I don't know how. I'm definitely, for me right now, I'm just, my basic attempt at this is just walk around New York City and, like, look at the different billboards and the different signs for different shows and, like, little posts up at, at like little advertisement bulletin boards. Like I'm just trying to seek out and search and find things. It's like kind of time. This is what I think. It's time to like look under rocks, right? Like I can no longer trust that the right things are going to find me. Like in the heyday of, again, when I was a teenager, like things found me and they hit. Jessica Simpson <laughs> comes in this skin album comes to mind. Ashley Simpson is also weirdly the next thing that comes to mind. But like, I feel like the right, fun, creative art found me. I don't think that's happening anymore. I think I need to go find it. 
And I'm pretty spoiled. Like I'm used to having awesome things just pop up and be advertised to me. It's not happening anymore. And again, I don't know if this is because I'm older or just I kind of more so think it's the way of the world and that we're, we have so much coming at us. So my like challenge to you and anyone who feels this way is like, let's look under rocks for what we like. Let's dig, let's look, let's get our little investigative journalist hats on and do some more digging and find cool stuff and let's share it with each other. Um, that's my state of the union on creativity. Okay, last week we talked a lot about dopamine and how it controls us. And I don't want to be controlled by dopamine, but I don't have a choice because I, unfortunately, am a human with a human brain. And I came up with this concept that is basically only confusing, but I'm going to try to explain it. I basically think that there's two categories of dopamine, and one is cheap and one is expensive. But the cheap, it doesn't, it's not financial. <sighs> so cheap dopamine would be like, and it's like, it, it's existentially cheap, if that makes sense. So like cheap dopamine is actually shopping and buying things. Like that's cheap, it's fast, it doesn't really cost you any brain power or work or emotions is just like quick and easy, get your fix, buy something. That's cheap dopamine. Expensive dopamine is when you like put the work in for something. You talk to someone. You have a fucking conversation. To me, that's expensive dopamine, right? Because like it's not my first lazy ass choice. It's more like, all right, I got to make plans. I got to participate in society. That's expensive, but that's going to give me dopamine. Going for a walk, that's expensive dopamine. Do you see how when you add the word expensive to these things, it makes them sound so much more fabulous and fancy, and it kind of makes them more desirable? That's, that's what we're working on here. And I believe that you cannot get expensive dopamine with money. Money can really only get you cheap dopamine. It's like a fast fix. I also think... Well, now I'm like, wait, what is music? Is that cheap or expensive? I think it's maybe neither. It, mm, my theory just all fell apart a little bit. But I think if you just think about it like, hey, I want to focus more on expensive dopamine that's more worth it, that's going to be more satisfying rather than getting a cheap fix. I think for you it's going to be different things, but... It's just something I'm putting in your brain. Okay, I also want to explain this advice, this piece of advice that I hear a lot, and it's to not take anything personally in life, right? Like, everyone will always say that to you, like, oh, if that person was rude, like, don't take it personal. It's not about you, it's them, or oh, you know, someone rejected you or someone this and that. It's really actually so humanly impossible to not be like, oh my God, this reflects only on me as a person and I'm shitty and all my insecurities are true because this person doesn't want to do this with me or whatever. Then I realized I came upon this <laughs> personalization for it that has really helped me, which is that 
everything I do is about me, okay? Every decision I make is personal about me and it has nothing to do with anyone else. And once I realized that, oh, truly any yes, any no I give in this world has no nothing to do with the people out there who I give the yes or the no to. It's all about me. My journey, I'm doubling down on how hardcore my journey in life is all about me. And when I think about it like that, it's a lot easier for me to just assume same for everyone else. They're just, and by the way, that doesn't mean like, oh, I'm like live only for myself and I'm this selfish person. I mean, I, I do think some of that is good, right? Like we don't want to live for other people, but that doesn't mean like, don't be kind. Another thing that's so annoying, being kind, like that is the answer to happiness. What? It's that simple. If I knew that, why would I have gotten out of bed? Like, it's just so easy. Again, continuously frustrated by how the most basic, simple things are the actual keys to life. And it's not that, it's not that hard. Anyway, clearly I'm in some sort of a mood, which I also realized this week when I'm, whenever I'm in a bad mood, my body just naturally has this system where it finds the nearest man and blames him and it has nothing to do with me hating men at all it's more just like well you guys are like supposed to be the ones that like hunt and and fight off monsters it's like so if something goes wrong like if if the store doesn't have bone in chicken thighs I'm looking at you you're it's your fault Dave (laughs) anyways that's between me and my journal for later. And it's also mostly a joke. It's a totally a fully joke. All right. I love you guys. Thank you so much for being here and for being my friend and hanging out with me on this short episode this week. Uh, as always, tickets at estheronice.com. Come see me in Miami, North Carolina, Atlanta, and text 847-648-9098 to be signed up and to be the first to know about my New York City shows I'm announcing very soon. I really love you. I really appreciate you being here. I'm really glad that we found each other and that we're all going to get better and have better, is better the only word I know? Yeah, it is. Better lives together. All right, I'll see you guys next week.